A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's an enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning, Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on this lovely Thursday morning. And uh, forecasters are predicting that today is going to be one of the hottest days of the year so far in some parts of the country. So wherever you are today, enjoy the sun and remember to stay safe. Also, we were speaking yesterday about the new indoor dining rules and there's been a huge reaction here on Side to the rules with many premises saying they'll remain closed to indoor dining on Monday. How do you feel about it? Would you feel comfortable about going in? doors to dine. Also, are you getting married in August? And We know that there's a lot of people contacting us about um, uncertainty around weddings next month. Also today, why are you paying a higher premium for your car or home insurance than someone who's just getting insured for the first time? We read today in the newspaper that the Central Bank is proposing a ban on price walking. Is this something you've been experiencing? Let us know on, one eight, on 1850-715-996 or you can text or WhatsApp 83 396 now, do you remember that song, Blurred Lines? Uh, but more importantly, do you remember the video? It was a little bit raunchy at the time and it made headlines. But the, the model that was in that video has a connection, a strong connection to West Cork. We've been finding out about that over the last 24 hours. Pa Curran, good morning. Good morning. Pa, Emily Ratajkowski and Bantry. <laughs> yeah. So what's been happening over the last 24 hours? Okay, so um, yesterday we decided to uh, tweet out a thanks to all our sponsors so far that we've lined up for the 2021 season. Um which are Bantry Credit Union, the Anchor Bar, Crimmins Coaches, Bantry Bath and Toil, Boston Bar, Brian Drummond Upholstery, Manning's Emporium, MCM Construction, and now in the Moretta. And of course, the, um, 
the tweet about uh, Emily Ratajkowski blew up. Uh, someone got obviously saw it and retweeted it, and there was all kinds of retweets and and quoted messages all day about it, and some some funny, some over the top, some very nice. <laughs> but how does uh, somebody like Emily Ratajkowski become involved with a team, uh, an under fifteen basketball team in West Cork? Um, so I'd be friendly with her parents, um, and I'm the coach of the team. Yes. And I was talking to her dad, John, the other night, and I said, look, I was wondering how, how Emily would feel about um, about sponsoring one of the teams for the new season. And he said, just give me a minute to text her. And within five minutes, she was back saying she'd love to do it. And you know so, her dad, so is her dad from West Cork? Well, her dad is, is from the uh, United States, but they have a home here in Bantry. Right. And uh, they come to visit quite a bit, and they'll be over in September. And John and his wife Kathy, and another man called Robert Romero, who's throwing in a few bob as well. He owns a pub in San Diego. Uh, they're going to present the jerseys to us in to the boys in September. Oh, fantastic! And did the dad ever play for the team? He did. He played in in, in um, I think it was the nineties, which in, in with Bantry Basketball Club, yeah. Um, so we're very excited about it and very proud to to have an Emily um, associated with the club because I think everybody knows Emily Radkowski, the model and actress, but you know there's a lot more to her than that. She's she's used her platform over the years um, to be an advocate and speak out for people who are marginalised, uh, such as immigrants. Um, she's very vocal on women's rights, mm. LGBTQ plus rights, and. You know, Black Lives Matter, which is very inspirational to young people and, you know, sets a very good example about an equal and accepting society, I suppose. Um, she's a very strong sense of social justice and, she, you know, she's not afraid to use her celebrity to, to platform and speak out against injustices. Hmm. So we're very proud to have her associated with our club. It's not just the sponsorship, it's the actual link to her is, is very important for us as well and for young people. So she has been a great role model, I suppose, for the youth in Bantry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, she if you follow her on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, you'll see she's always attending Black Lives Matter marches and, mm. you know, she, she speaks out an awful lot against very marginalised people, or, you know, against people who are marginalised, such as immigrants. You know, she, there's a lot of people, I mean, she was very anti-Donald Trump and that kind of stuff, which... Yeah was very, uh, you know, that, that was very common in Ireland too. So very inspirational to a lot of our young people. So we're delighted to have her on board. You said that uh, her parents have a house over in Bantry. So has she been yeah. over herself? Yeah, she would have a circle of friends her own age in Bantry. Um, you know, um, she, she's she been there quite a bit, I tell you. Yeah. yeah. A long time there when they were kids. <laughs> and like how does it feel when you like do, do people notice her when she's walking around the town or when she's in any of the local establishments <laughs> yeah people don't take any notice of celebrities in Bantry to be honest we, <laughs> you could have Graham Norton walking up the street and nobody's saying a bit to him like Bantry's a very kind of a chilled out and relaxed place as you probably know um, everyone everyone gets along with everyone so yeah. I, there, nobody really takes there wouldn't be any paparazzi following her up the street uh, you know so and of course, like Graham Norton actually works on one of our partner stations, Virgin Media, and he's been uh, broadcasting from Bandon for the summer. So, uh, oh, very good. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose like, you know, um, for, for somebody like Emily Ratajkowski coming over to Bantry, you know, she's obviously hugely recognised all over the world, but to be able to come and relax in somewhere like Bantry maybe gives her that kind of a, a, a strong connection to Bantry in a way that maybe other people wouldn't have. 
I suppose the vulture uh, people, I suppose people that are in the spotlight all the time, they mm. like to, to get a bit of downtime. And I, Emily has been spotted in the, the anchor bar in Bantry having a few points with her parents and uh, amongst many other celebrities that have frequented the place, such as Saoirse Ronan and, you know, yeah, people people just get on with her. And what was the reaction from the team when they heard that she was sponsoring you? <clears throat> um, well, to be honest, I didn't tell them. They found out. <laughs> They found, well, I the son playing in the team. I told him yesterday. Yeah. Um, they found out via social media, I think, in their Snapchat groups and stuff like that, I think. Um, yeah. I had a few texts from parents this morning already are telling me that we were mentioned on some TV programme and a few radio stations this morning. And I think there's a few um, newspaper articles about it. Uh, RTE rang me yesterday evening and I just gave a short interview and there's a lot of newspapers after quoting that so mm. look it's a good news story for, for our basketball club um, we're, we're kind of I suppose it's it's a way of saying we're still around because we, we haven't had a basketball match for almost 18 months Is that because of Covid so, yeah? Because of Covid because there's no indoor sports allowed we are back outdoors and we're trying to rebuild our club from our Covid closure and this is a you know it's just a good news story to keep the keep it lighting and um, I suppose, like with COVID, has how has that affected the players? Are they all saying to you that they really want to get back out there? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was some, you know, we we, we train, we've been training outdoors for quite a bit now. Um, the teams I coach, you now we've taken July off, but mm. all of our other, most of our teams are co- are are being coached at the moment. There, we've got five outdoor courts in our school in Bantry, so. The weather's been really good, so it's been very positive. But kids want to get back inside; they want to get back playing their games. Uh, schools basketball is a huge one in in Ireland, and um, very prestigious competitions. And mm. you know the games are shown live on YouTube. They want to get back to that. How know, important so. is it for these youngsters to be involved in something like that? <clears throat> oh, it's massive for them. I mean, especially given the last eighteen months we've had. Mm. Um, I suppose a lot of clubs sports clubs in general would have would have lost players because people have been so inactive for a long time and it's been a bit of a struggle for them to get kids back out. Uh, kids have been used to doing nothing. And the mm-hmm. other thing is coaches. A lot of coaches were burnt out from, you know, a lot of people coaching four or five teams and they got used to the lifestyle of not having to rush and race around the country every night. Yeah. And maybe cut down on what they were doing. So, you know, a lot of clubs are... are suffering because of, you know, the lack of coaches, quality mm. coaches too. I suppose like with the weather now, it's good that you are able to get out and and practice in this weather. Oh, it's great. I mean, even last summer, like the GA were brilliant. Mm. Um, and and uh, FAI soccer, I mean, I'm just speaking about my own kids, they all got to play um, soccer in GA last year, but unfortunately they didn't get to play basketball because the minute it, it started again, uh, the minute the basketball started up again, there was another lockdown. So, unfortunately, we're we're in, we're in that position where we um we haven't really got to play any matches. Yeah. But uh, we think we can do it safely if the government will let it. I, I'm sure it'll come back with the indoor dining anyway. For mm. how long we don't know. Yeah, <clears throat> that's it, isn't it? There's so much uncertainty at the minute around everything. That's it, and uh, you know, kids feel that uncertainty too, and mm. I guess a hundred questions a day about uh, when are we back playing games. Yeah. So, you know, it's just toughened them. It's, especially the ones that are around 13, 14, 15, they've missed 18 months of basketball now and it's a massive time for them to miss. It's a huge, you know, stage in their development. 
Um, you know, the ones that are older, they've had their all their underage training. You know, they've had their full 18 downwards training, but it's the ones that are that age, they're hit hardest. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how they are when they get back. We will indeed. Well, listen, best yeah. luck with everything and congratulations on getting such a huge sponsorship as well. Thank that, you very much. <laughs> enjoy the day. Now, that was Pat Curran from the Bantry basketball team under 15s. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Welcome back to the Opinion Line on 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan. Now, as we've been talking all week about the weather and the heat wave, but is it too much? We've been hearing a lot of people who've been saying that it's just too hot. And one person who is telling people to stop whinging and moaning is Adrian Kenny. Good morning, Adrian. Fiona, how are you? I'm not too bad. What's your, your gripe with people giving out about the heat? <laughs> you know something? It's, it's Well, you see, it's, it's not everybody, right? Mm. So it's like, first of all, there are people who genuinely are not able to, you know, physically withstand it. Like maybe old people or, you know, it could be someone with a condition or anything like that. That's fine, you know, because at the end of the day, that's something you can't help. I'm yeah. talking about things you can help. So like, for example, the, the, the main argument appears to be that people are people are basically saying, we're not used to it. Mm. And they're saying, this is unbearable. I can't sleep. I've all the windows open. And my question to them is, what do you do when you go on holidays? <laughs> but you see, when we go on holidays, there's air conditioning in all these countries because they are used to the heat and this is what they live in all the time. And they have air conditioning in all of the rooms of the hotels and in the hotel lobbies and in the bars and the restaurants and in the apartments. <laughs> yeah, but the air conditioning doesn't follow you around everywhere you go. You know, at the end of the day, like most of the time you spend awake, you know, conscious of the heat and you know about it yeah. and you're, you have to live through it. But apart but then when from you're all on holidays of that, that's, as well, when it's hot, you're at the beach. <laughs> correct, but I suppose I suppose the main point is you you kind of get on with it because you're in such a good form. You're on holiday mode, and you just kind of you know you you get on and you enjoy it, right? Yeah. But the thing that I can understand is here, if it was the case that it was around for two or three months, I could totally understand it. I could say, oh, it's too much. We've had enough now, or whatever, whatever. We're getting about a week of it. Yeah. And just enjoy the week of sunshine and hot weather. All right. If it's a case that like you physically are not able to put up with it or you're very old or something like that, that's a completely different story. Mm. But the people that I've heard are people, young people, you know, relatively young people going around. The, the first line of the conversation would have been two weeks ago, oh, lads, isn't the weather terrible? And now it's like, <laughs> this heat is unbearable. I can't stake it. And I'm kind of looking at them and I'm thinking, like, what, what is, like, what, just what is that? I totally understand everyone has a different opinion. So look, I'm not trying to say for a second that I'm right and everybody's whinging and all the rest of it. But I do kind of think that we've had a year and a half of absolute hell, yeah. right? We've, we've been denied almost every single basic privilege that we've had before. So I would, I would have thought that more than ever, this kind of uh, spell of incredible weather would have been welcomed more so than ever. In fact, it, it feels to me that people are actually whinging about it more than they ever did before. Because I remember we had a heat wave back in 2018. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and people, they were kind of giving out. And it went on for a lot longer than this. It went on for about six weeks. But, you know, people just didn't complain. This is only one week of sunshine. And people are just literally, I don't know, it's, part of it is the whinging culture. You know, we, do, we are a little bit prone mm. to it as a smaller country, right? It, it's something that we do. But... Apart from all of that, whinging about things is fine, but whinging about sunshine is just something I can't quite get. I was talking to somebody yesterday who was saying, God, I'd love a bit of rain. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was saying like, you know, we have most of the year we're living in, in rain and cold and we're look, looking for a bit of heat. But maybe, you know, we want a bit of heat, but maybe in around the 20s, maybe 22. But I think when it starts to go up a little bit above that, as you said, you know, a lot of people, they can't get their, their kids to sleep. And coming up in the show um, on 96FM's so Opinion Line later on today, we will be having some tips on getting your, your children to sleep in this heat. But, yeah. um, you know, I suppose for people who have to work, particularly people who are working outside, um, you know, it, it, it is something that we're just not used to. Um, but do you think, th- you, you think that we are just a nation of complainers, really, do you? <laughs> I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, I, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's hit and miss because, you know, I think as a smaller country, smaller countries uh, sometimes tend to be a bit more inward looking. The only kind of, uh, the only kind of thing in themselves, whereas when you're kind of a larger country, you might have like, a, you might feel a bit more connected. Mm. Therefore, you might whinge or complain less. So I do think that sometimes we have a tendency to, to just kind of like complain about everything, which is fine. And often it's really valid. Um, and there are things that are, that are worth complaining about and people are right. But I mean... At the end of the day, in this particular case, um, while I do understand, look, I don't have children. If you had children and they wouldn't sleep at night, obviously that that's another thing, you know, but this is short-lived. Yeah. That's my main point here. It's short-lived. It's only going to be for a week. In fact, it's starting to wane off. It's going to be kind of hot today. Tomorrow evening, it's going to go. Saturday raining, Sunday maybe back, and then gone Monday. So for me personally, it's just a case of because it's short-lived, just make the best of it, enjoy it, you know, it's not going to be that bad. And if you're working outside, how lucky are you to be able to work outside in the sun? Just <laughs> put on sunscreen. I mean, I'm saving, a, I'm saving a fortune on washing bills. I'm going around the house working from home with a, nothing but boxers. So, like, I'm saving a fortune on washing. <laughs> so, it's great. There's so many pluses and positives to, to think um, about. See, if, if you, you have really children look. and they're all sweaty and they're covered in sun cream, everything just looks filthy. <laughs> so. I could, look, I completely agree. And like I said, it's, it's, not a, it's not a black and white thing. You know, uh, I totally agree with that. I put up a post recently on Facebook, which I think is where this all stemmed from. Yeah. Um, because I, li- I like to use Facebook to express opinions uh, and to welcome uh, debate and not, not to kind of ram down people's throats. And, you know, I would say 90% of people agreed, but there were people that kind of said, no, look, it's, it's, I just, I'm not physically, personally uh, able to put up with this kind of heat. It's not something I can do. And I said, well, in that case, that's completely fine. Unfortunately, in your case, you probably just need to stay in them, you know, and, you know, whatever. But, like, in the majority of cases, the people are just not really giving it a shot. Like, it's mm-hmm. only here a few days. It's not going to be here for much longer than that. So just go to the beach, get into the water, just, you know, make some memories, just have some fun with it because on the whole, most people, they should be able to do that. Brilliant. Adrian, listen, thanks so much for taking our call on the opinion line this morning. And if anybody has been seeing the posts going around on social media with the, the child of Prague and people are saying to bring the child of Prague back in. But what do you think? Is it too hot? Are we just a nation of complainers? Are we never happy? Let us know on 1850 715 996 83 Now we have, um, we're going to something different now. Um, we are speaking to uh, Martin Condon. Martin, good morning. Hi, Hi, Martin. How are you? Now, Martin, um, for people who don't know uh, who Martin Condon is, you've been um, heavily engaged in a campaign to try and legalise medicinal cannabis, but you've taken it one step further now with planting um, hash plants in certain areas around the city. And yesterday you planted those in uh, the grounds of City Hall. Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah. So just tell me a little bit about why you're planting those plants in places like uh, City Hall. Yeah, I suppose, um, well, people would be aware that recently the government made an announcement that they're going to cover the cost of medical cannabis for 
certain patients at source, Verathumi would have been the, the most prominent of the, the, the campaigners around that. Mm. But there's many other patients who've been excluded in this announcement. Um, Alicia Maher, who is stuck in Alicante at the moment, another court girl, um, she has chronic pain, uh, which arose due to complications after a surgery that she got a simple, uh, I think it was tonsils being removed at 17. And she ended up actually contracting MRSA and uh, mm. some other complications along the way. Left her in chronic pain and relying on opiate-based pain medications, which really reduced the quality of her life and were not effective at relieving her pain. It wasn't until a friend recommended she try medical cannabis that she realised how beneficial it was for her. And um, after that, then she was not able to get uh, access to it here um, legally because her condition is outside of the tree that the government are allowing access to medical cannabis for. Mm-hmm. So now she's stuck in Alicante for the la- over 18 months. So I'm taking upon myself to engage in a campaign of civil disobedience because if, if I was to go to prison for this, it's only a small price to pay to, to try to undo the uh, large suffering that's going on in our society today because of cannabis prohibition. And we will be speaking to Alicia on the show tomorrow, Martin. But um, just can you come back to why you planted the plants in City Hall? <laughs> yeah, it's a small action. It's civil disobedience. Um, I, I, I don't respect the law because the law doesn't respect us. Um, again, I've, I've an honours degree in herbal science. I, I would love to go on to do more research uh, so we can better understand uh, cannabis. But because of the prohibition around it, that's, that's next to near impossible for somebody to do at the moment. So the prohibition of cannabis really, it's never prevented access to the young kids in the street. It's prevented access uh, to researchers, patients, professionals. That's, that's what the prohibition of cannabis does. It puts it into the hands of organised crime gangs and out of the hands of professionals who could do really good with it. And are you looking for cannabis to be legalised in general, or is it just the medicinal cannabis that you're looking for people to have more access to, like the likes of Vera Toomey, who we spoke to earlier in the week? Yeah, I, I don't believe that the prohibition of cannabis is fit for purpose at all, so I, I believe that uh, cannabis needs to be removed out of the Misuse of Drugs Act. Adults 18 and over, however age limit the government might see fit, that, sh- that should be applied to us Um the provision of cannabis, it's after failing. Um, so it, it just shouldn't be kept in place any longer. And you're, you're, the plants that you've been planting, I know you planted them in City Hall yesterday and a couple of weeks ago you planted them in other areas around the city. What kind of a reaction have you been getting to this? A very positive one, actually, uh, surprisingly enough. Um, a lot of people um, have come forward and said that's a great action to be doing. You're very brave, but uh, you're, you're doing the right thing. Um, a lot of people don't want me to be doing it as well. They're like, geez, man, are you sure you want to do this? And uh, as I say, like, uh, if, if I have to go to prison for this, it's only a small price to pay to, for, for the greater good. So would you consider yourself a bit of a rebel? Yeah, well, I am from Cork. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you think that um, there's... Like, is there? Do, you were saying there that you're getting a lot of support. Do people like this approach to politics that you're taking? Um, so, somewhat, I, I suppose. The government um, have been ignoring us for, for so long. They're, they're way out of kilter now with the views of the public. I reckon if you were to put up a poll by yourselves online, I, I know all of the recent polls were showing over 80% support for policy reform around cannabis. Um, so the, the government are way out of touch. They're, what they're doing right now is they're waiting for this Citizens' Assembly so that they, they can scapegoat. If, if any... If, they, they don't want to be blamed. Like if we, if they were to legalise cannabis or something like that, um, they, they don't want the blame to come back at them. So they're waiting for the Citizens' Assembly now to say, well, you told us to do it. 
Um, and, and that's not going to come around until 2022, uh, sometime next year. Uh, it was announced there yesterday. So there's, there's a bit of um, a bit to go yet, but I believe that there is change ahead of us. And it'll be very interesting as well if cannabis was to be legalised, um, let's say, any time in the next 12 to 24 months. What are we going to do with all the people in prison um, that have been getting locked up recently? Mm. We'll have to let a lot of people out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Fergal on the research desk here is telling me that we have covered this topic before and people have been contacting us and saying that they do want the situation changed in some way. Yeah, the, the sovereign caused by prohibition, it's, it's fast. Um, so many people, the most vulnerable people in our society really are targeted by this, if you think about it. The most recent operation, Tara, which is uh, targeting all levels of drug dealing, but, but in reality, it's catching the, the lower uh, level guys. And uh, these guys are the most vulnerable in our society because a lot of them are into the selling of cannabis or other drugs because they're they're poor, they're uneducated, you know, they didn't get the best opportunity in life. And drug dealing was the first opportunity afforded to them for whatever reason. And and that's who we're targeting them. That's who we're putting in prison, these low-level guys. But the, the big guys probably are never going to be going to prison. So that means the organized crime gang that's operating is continuously going to keep going and the people we're arresting are easily replaceable. You were speaking earlier about Cork Lady Alicia who has been over in Alicante in Spain for the last 18 months. What kind of laws are there in Spain? Are they just more liberal around medicinal cannabis or have they got laws that um, allow people to smoke cannabis Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Um, in Spain, the, the people actually fought for their rights, um, similar to kind of what I'm doing in a certain way. Hmm. They brought it to the courts and they, they fought it in the courts uh, around their right to privacy. So we have the same right to privacy here in Ireland as well. But in, in Spain, the citizens have uh, had their right to privacy respected by the government in that the government will let them grow cannabis in the privacy of their own home and consume it there too. And then the people were able to extend that one step further and uh, include it in private clubs. So private clubs would have the same respect to privacy as mm. uh, a citizen would in their home. And, and that's how they operate in Spain is... Uh, in a kind of a technical grey area. It's not, not necessarily legal yet, but it's tolerated enough um, that the government will respect people's privacy as long as they're not out in the street smoking it, blowing it in the face of the cards and stuff. Mm. Uh, there, there's no problem. And would you prefer something like that here then? I, I would like to see a more um, a sensible approach to this and uh, Spain certainly has a good approach. I, I would not like to see it stuck in the legal grey area that it's stuck in Spain. I would love to see it more legitimate where people can pay income tax for working in the industry and uh, the industry pays VAT on the products itself. Um, I, I, I'm not too sure what the story is around tax collection in Spain from these places, but I do know the likes of John Gilligan and some of our own criminals here in Ireland love to go to Spain and take advantage of this um, because of the grey area that it's in. There's no transparency of who's operating in the, in the back of these uh, clubs, if you will. And a lot of them are sending their products uh, to Ireland, to UK, um, and other places across Europe too. So Martin, um, you know, this has been a campaign, as we said, you planted the plants outside City Hall yesterday. You've done a few other places around uh, the city. Where are you going to next? Yeah, um, we'll try and find me home, Martin, maybe. Might give him a gift of the plants. <laughs> um, I know I like to hang on around uh, court maturity during the summer so maybe I might bring my own family down there as well and introduce them because my, my family is after going through a lot as well because of this prohibition I got caught with 10 euros worth of cannabis back in 2019 right. and uh, two weeks later then I was travelling to uh, a dog show with my family on Easter Sunday 
and uh, down at Middleton at the big roundabout on the um, uh, NS, uh, the Gardaí removed me and my entire family out of the car and searched us at the side of the road because I got caught with cannabis two weeks before. It was only 10 euros worth of cannabis, my own little joint. But the guard nice. said, no, that, that's okay. You, your entire family, get out of the car. We're going to search it now on the side of this busy road on an Easter Sunday morning. And the traffic was jammers that day, that morning as well. So it was incredibly embarrassing for me and my family to, to nice. endure that. The so, yeah. And they found nothing in, in the car. I didn't have any cannabis in the car that, right. that morning. Okay, Martin. Well, I think that's for another day. That's another story. We were here today to talk about the, the plants that you've been planting yeah. around City Hall. Well, so your next aim now is for... Back. Next aim for, for Micheál Martin's office. Well, listen, thank you very much, Martin, for taking our call on the opinion line this morning. Do you agree with Martin? Do we need to have a more relaxed system to cannabis here in this country? 1850-715-996 or text or WhatsApp 0833-969696. The Irish Cancer Society have been supporting hundreds of people here in Cork and they're encouraging people who have been affected by cancer or who are affected to seek support. And joining me now is Donal Buggy from the Irish Cancer Society. Good morning, Donal. Good morning and thank you for having me with you this morning. You're very welcome, you're very welcome. Donald, first of all, I suppose, um, can I just start by asking you about the impact of COVID on cancer services here in Cork and around the country? We've been hearing an awful lot about services like that that have been affected. Yeah, it, it has been it has been a really difficult time for, for cancer patients and, and, and people affected by cancer since the, the COVID pandemic has arrived and we saw over the course of uh, 2020 we saw a, um, a reduction in the number of people coming forward for, for help and support, so for first-hand diagnosis, which means that within our population, we have people who uh, would are, are uh, who have arrived later for mm. their treatment, so their treatment is going to be much more difficult and the outcomes, unfortunately, won't be as good. And then on top of that, we have seen at various times uh, over COVID, as the cases have risen and fallen, we have seen cancellations in cancer surgeries because you haven't had the available intensive care capacity to support patients after their, their surgery and challenges getting access to chemotherapy and radiotherapy. So it has been a really, really difficult time. And that is why today we are talking about the significant increase in, in funding that the society is putting in to counselling to help cancer patients deal with the, the psychological impacts that have been brought about by those challenging times in relation to getting access to treatment, but also um, the, the supports that normally would be available to cancer patients in hospitals are much harder to access. So we're trying to make it easier for people to get help when they need help. A lot of those counselling services, would they be available online now or are they in person or what way is it going to work? Yeah, so at, at, at the moment, they, they are all online or over the telephone, but we are seeing services opening up to face-to-face counselling um, where the, the services can have the appropriate levels of, of social distancing and infection control measures in place. But cancer patients by their, and cancer by its treatment, uh, by its nature, reduces... Uh, people's um, ability to cope with infections. So cancer patients are at increased risk of COVID-19 and if they do get COVID-19, the outcomes aren't as good for the general population. So cancer patients need to take care um, to manage that infection risk. Uh, So what we're recommending are the the virtual counselling sessions until the time as it is and can be proven to be safe for those face-to-face sessions. 
And I suppose it's important that the cancer patients themselves get this counselling, but also their families. Yeah, so it is like it's not just uh, when when cancer comes to uh, an individual, it doesn't just come to that individual, it comes to their their wider family. It can be their spouse, it can be uh, sisters, brothers, it can be their children. So it's important that everybody who is surrounding and supporting the person impacted by cancer can also seek help and uh, to to deal with the the psychological impact of that because the the challenges at times uh, can be the patient themselves can be very well minded from uh, the uh, from their cancer team from their doctors and their nurses but a lot of the time the 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 spouse and the partners are, are are looking in and uh, not knowing what's going on and a lot of worry and a lot of concern about what the future might hold and how they can care and support for the the person in their life who is impacted by cancer. So it is important for anyone who has had uh, that experience to know that these supports are are for them also and it is appropriate for them to, to reach out for support. And Donald, if anyone listening this morning wants to get in touch with the Irish Cancer Society's counselling services, what do they have to do? Where where can they go? Yeah, I think the easiest way is to contact our free phone telephone line, and that's 1-800-200-700. And at the end of that line, you will be able to chat to an experienced cancer nurse who will just have a conversation and, and work with you work out with you what's appropriate and what the best uh, what the, the best counselling service is for you and then be able to connect you with those supports. So if you call that number, it's one 800 700 That starts the conversation and we'll help you from there. Brilliant. Donald Boogie of the Irish Cancer Society, thank you very much for taking our call this morning. Now on to something else. Um, the... David Graham, he's an equality, education equality officer, and he has written an article recently about the church's dominance in schools and the way um, um, a lot of subjects are taught in school and, and the church's influence over things like that. And joining me on the line now is Paddy Monaghan. He's a policy officer at Education Equality to discuss this. Good morning, Paddy. Hey, good morning. Thanks very much for having me on. You're very welcome. And Paddy, how much of an influence has the church got now or how much dominance does it have in schools in Ireland? Um, Well, to all your listeners, I think this is something parents need to take on board and parents need to start getting much more involved in because sometimes there can be a feeling that we leave our kids at the school gate and Mm. pick them up five or six hours later and that's kind of everything in between is is not really our business. And we need to realise that, um, you know, at least have an opinion on the fact that 90%, 90% of primary schools in Ireland are run by the Catholic Church. That's entirely taxpayer-funded primary schools where the teacher's salaries, light and heat, new buildings, uh, extensions, everything is paid for by the taxpayer. 90% are run by the Catholic Church. Uh, in terms of how the schools are run, what that means is most obviously that means um, faith formation or indoctrination, whatever you want to call it, Catholic faith formation, so it's not learning about religion, instead it's Catholic faith formation takes place for a half hour period every day during the school day, so that's two and a half hours a week of faith formation uh, compared to say three hours of science, history and geography combined, and that's throughout the entire period of um, of a child's uh, primary education from junior infants up to up to sixth class so that's the kind of influence now hopefully as we'll come to the, the influence extends far beyond that half hour a day. Mm. Um, but really what education equality, uh, what our main point is, hopefully this will 
hopefully this will um, resonate with some of your listeners, maybe make them think, think twice, and definitely some of your listeners will know what we're talking about here. What it means is that if your child isn't Catholic, your fa- if your family is not Catholic, um, and, you know, there isn't, there isn't, Catholic schools are really the only show in town, mm. what it means is that your child sits there in the classroom absorbing every word of this lesson, absor- absorbing every word of the faith formation and the indoctrination, um, sitting through every prayer in the class, um, during the communion year, during confirmation year, the child absorbs all of this because there's a constitutional right not to receive this faith formation, but the way in which schools you know, sort of inverted commas, uphold this, Mm. is basically by making the child sit at the back of the class. The child sits there throughout the class. They're given usually colouring, some sort of non-curriculum, busy work to do. But, I mean, really... What parents, what parents who go through this and come to come to us about this, what they feel is that the child is being segregated, the child is being stigmatised, the child is being made basically to feel other, to feel different every single day in the classroom because of essentially a failure to uphold the right not to receive religious uh, um, instruction. Um, I remember when I was right. in uh, secondary school and when we were being taught religious studies, anybody who wasn't Catholic was made to go out of the classroom yeah. and go up into the cloakroom. So I would yeah. really hope that that practice has completely stopped where people are well, actually just sent out of the classroom altogether. Well, the thing is, some parents, some parents who come to us are so desperate that they say they would rather their children were taken out of the class and go elsewhere. And actually some schools uh, previously, community national schools, used to do that. They they would actually take children out of the classroom. And this was deemed a modern, a more sort of modern approach. Rather than leaving there, leaving them in the classroom just to absorb the lesson, they take them out of the classroom. But obviously, that's very, very stigmatising as well. So mm-hmm. at Education Equality, while some parents say, please, please don't make my child sit through this, um, what we really say is it's, it's equally bad stigmatising a child by making them get up, separate themselves from their peers every single day, as you describe. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we, what we say is, rather than having opt-out faith formation where the parent must come along to the school, must ask the principal, can we opt out? How can we do this? And usually, as I said, it's colouring or some sort of busy work in the classroom. Mm. What we say at Education Equality, the simple, the simple solution is opt-in faith formation outside school hours. So people can choose to opt-in to religion after school. So that's basically, it means that nobody's rights are impinged upon. The patron will still run the school. What we're saying is that in order to actually... Uh, in order to get your religious faith formation, you mm. do that outside school hours and you opt into it rather than requiring parents to um, have to opt out. It's just funny because I know the, um, the United States Supreme Court about 60, 60 odd years ago already said that requesting parents to opt out carries with it the imputation of punishment for bad behaviour and people will avoid claiming their rights simply to um, and simply continue to participate mm. um, due to an understandable reluctance to be stigmatised. And the funny thing is, um, you know, you're, you're, you're based in Cork, and yeah. uh, obviously it's, there's Cork City, but there's also Cork County. And we sometimes hear people say, now this is a city problem. This is, you know, don't, this, this isn't something we go through in small yeah. towns. And the funny thing is, actually, it's, it's very often much, much more acute in small towns because there are no options. Uh, there's one there's one school in the area and it's a Catholic school and very often again it's a small local well binded community and people don't want to stand out people and we've we've heard this repeatedly from parents people don't want to stand out they don't want to have to step up and exercise their right to opt out as as poorly implemented as it is so what we're saying is thus far various ministers for education and the Department of Education have not taken sufficient they haven't stood up and said 
that they're going to uphold this right. Um, mm. Really, to, to all your listeners, I mean, our email address is info at educationequality.ie. By all means, get in touch. But what we have found repeatedly with parents who've come to us is the more organised you become, the more you get together and talk to the school as a group, try to stay together as a group, try not to engage as individuals, well, by all means engage as individuals, but if you find other parents who are opting out and who are willing to say, you know, this isn't fair on our kids, if you come together and speak to the school together, talk to us, talk to the school, and the more sort of organised you become, this is a right, it's a right not to receive faith formation. So we kind of need parents to come together and um, and sort of stand up for their rights. And I can't stress enough, this has nothing to do with any sort of anti-religion or anti-Catholic approach. Mm. Really what it is, is what it's saying is it's upholding everyone's right. It, it means that anyone of any religious background is entitled to get their religious faith formation, but outside school hours, where essentially they're not forcing their views on anyone else. So really what we're talking is, we're talking about freedom of religion for everyone, as opposed to sort of freedom of one particular religion um, in the in the classroom and in the state. So, so that's really what we're pushing for is opt-in faith formation. Let parents opt in if they wish to for their children outside school hours. That's the main focus. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Paddy Monaghan oh. Policy. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, no, that's all. Thanks a million for having me on. Oh, okay, right, okay. Thanks very much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. We've just had a caller here. Um, today, the tickets for Elton John at Parky Creeve have officially gone on sale. A caller has been in touch with us here on the Opinion Line this morning to say, waiting all week to buy the tickets, logged on this morning only to see the cheapest tickets were €94. Euro. Who does Elton think he is? There are plenty of tickets left, as you can imagine. Anybody else think that that's too much? Is it too steep to go and see Elton John and Parky Cueve? Let us know. 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on this Thursday morning. Just in relation to some of the topics we covered in the first hour, we got a caller who um, was ringing in after my conversation with Adrian Kenny, who was saying that he was sick and tired of people whinging about it being too hot. And this caller says, I completely agree with Adrian. I'm enjoying every minute of it after the year we've had. Also, I spoke to Martin Condon, who's been planting hash plants around the city in the hope that it uh, changes the the government's view on, on cannabis laws in this country and this caller says we don't have enough facilities as it is to treat those with addiction problems. Making it legal will add to these lists as way more will use it and become addicted. Keep your calls and texts coming in to us 1850 715 996 0833 96 96 96. Now uh, the fabulous pharmacist aka Laura Dowling has uh, been posting on her Instagram page in recent weeks about period knickers. Good morning Laura. Hello, how are you? And just for people who may not what know... What an introduction. I know, isn't it? <laughs> and what we are talking about, of course, is um, pants that are being worn by women uh, during their time of the month. And you have tried them out, Laura. Yeah, I have indeed. I've tried out the body form ones and, and they are great. Like, I mean, the you know, I, I think that 
maybe so I'm 41 now but you know I think that younger women are taken to this a lot a lot easier I suppose that, than the likes of um, my, myself maybe mm. who, who would have thought that maybe something like this wasn't really doable because we're so used to tanner shells and, and tampons but you know when I'm speaking to colleagues and that younger teenagers you know, and older teenagers and that, it, you know, it, it's quite it's quite the thing now to be using these. And they're, they're great and they are, they're good for the environment too. Just speak to me first of all about the environment. Um, I suppose there's a lot less waste with these because they are reusable. Yes, absolutely. So you can wear them for up to eight hours in the day and then you simply just rinse them under cold water and throw them into a normal wash. So you don't have to wear um, a Spanish shell or a tampon while you're using them. They can absorb... Um, all the flow. Now, if you if you do get very heavy periods, you might want to, to use like a, a light pad or a tampon maybe or, or a cup um, mm-hmm. for the first day or two. Uh, but certainly as your period gets moderate to light, you, you won't need anything with it. And they can be, they, they're just really good. And, you know, people would, would often wonder, oh God, how can, how can you stay in knickers like that for, for the whole day? But in actual fact, they, they have a padding in them that it will be quite similar to say um, cycling shorts. People right. wear cycling shorts and they have a pad in the, you know, the, the crotch area to help for, for, for chafing um, when, when you're cycling. Right. So that's what I can liken them to, except they're, they're that bit thinner than them, actually. And they, they, they do work really well. I'm actually, I'm really surprised and <laughs> I'm happy at how well that they've worked. And any other women and, and young girls that I've spoken to that have used them, I find them great. And are they comfortable? They actually are comfortable because that's what I was thinking Initially, when I when I when I when I when I was asked to, to try them out, I thought, God, are these going to be comfortable? But what they are, you can go about your day. I've done yoga in them. Uh, I've ra- I've done some running in them as well. So you can, um, you know, I've, I've worked all day in them too. So you can you can go about your day as normal and wear them and um, safe in the knowledge. I suppose you're not adding to the environmental waste that I suppose pads do. You know. And do they feel clean? They do, yeah, they absolutely do. And and, and and like that, I had all those questions myself before I tried them out and I had no problem feeling clean. Like they, they absorb all the all the liquid and they they don't you know, they don't smell as such. You know, it'll be just like wearing a normal pad. And I, I have had I've had a couple of queries on my Instagram as well. Mm. Um, you know, do you, do you feel that you need to change the knickers more than once in the day? So, you know, I just find I could go all day w- without having changed. And, you know, after the eight hours, I, I come home or nine hours of work, come home and just change them then. And, no, I find them great. I suppose a huge problem that they are solving is, as we spoke about earlier there, the environmental issues. And, uh, you know, uh, it takes over 500 years for a regular tampon to decompose. So is this um, a way to, to fight um, damage to the environment and, and waste pollution? Yes, it is because the, the the product leaflet says that these can be washed over fifty times. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would even say that they could could be used more than that if necessary. So I think that you would probably need maybe four pairs of them to get through. You know, your five day period because you need you know to wear one at one during the day and one at night time as well. Then and then if you're washing them on those days, you'll have them to to, to go go through your entire period with and. Yeah, like when you consider a woman will have, you know, up to 500 periods in her lifetime um, yeah. it's, and, and all, all the, the sanitary wear that, that goes with that, I think it's, um, it's good to know that, that there are these, these issues that are being solved by these companies, you know. And uh, you were saying there that you were speaking to a lot of people about it. Like, is the, like it, would it be a huge awareness around the environmental impact of, you know, tampons and, and sanitary towels amongst people? 
I think there is more nowadays, definitely. I think we're all kind of aware of the, you know, climate change and environmental issues and that. So, and certainly I think younger people, so say on my Instagram, maybe people that would follow me mainly would be from 25 to 45. That would be kind of the, the, the women would, that would mainly um, be following me. Mm. And certainly with, within that range, there is a, a huge amount of awareness about uh, environmental issues. So, yeah, I think that we're all becoming more aware. And I suppose as products like the Body Form Knickers come on, on, on stream, you know, they're also promoting the environmental benefit to it. So we're being constantly told about it, I suppose, um, from all all different areas of the media. And and in that way, then we're being more made more aware of them. And um, Laura, you've also been talking a lot about the best ways of dealing with menstruation symptoms such as, as pain relief. Um, just t- tell me a little bit about, because, you know, some women, I, I know like from speaking to some people that say like, oh, sure, you know, you can just get on with your day to day life. But some people actually do experience a huge amount of pain when they're going through their, their period. Yes, they do. And often it's younger women that experience um, a, um, a good bit of pain you know, the younger teenagers, late teens, and then it can kind of tend to resolve in the early 20s and then it might come back again, kind of coming up to, you know, perimenopause and that. So Mm. as our hormones fluctuate and as we age, it can change as well. So it isn't any kind of one one size fits all. But certainly it's normal for a woman to experience painful periods. And, you know, the the medical term is dysmenorrhea, but, you know, we just know it as period pain. So it can be anything from slight cramping to, to quite severe cramping to headaches, mm. nausea and vomiting and often GIT symptoms. So a lot of women will experience a bit of diarrhea as well coming up to a period or in the first couple of days of the period. And I think it's important that ladies know that, that you know, they, they can come into the chemist and, and get things to help them with that. Or they can just do things like exercise as well. Exercise releases, releases endorphins, which helps with pain relief as well. Applying a hot water bottle to the tummy area is yeah. a really good way of helping keeping well hydrated. And then also women can use medication that can be bought over the counter safely. So you can use your paracetamol. You can also use um, ibuprofen. It's an anti-inflammatory. It can help with period pain too. And buscopan can also help with cramping as well. Now, if women are experiencing very bad painful periods, that I suppose limits them to go out, limits them from going out, and, and you know affects their work they might want to go and see their doctor about that. But I certainly would say to them to not suffer in silence. It's really important that they know that they can get help, you know. It's not one of those things to put up with. I think women nowadays, I think we know that there's loads of things that we don't just have to put up with anymore. And I think it's important to kind of have that conversation. And that's why I have my Instagram page, Fabulous Pharmacist, so we can talk about these things in a really open and honest manner. They're, it's just our bodies. It's just the way that they work normally mm. and we should be able to discuss them, you know. Is there anything we can do about our mood swings? <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from people. <laughs> That's what I say. Everyone leave the house. Yeah. No, yeah. Look, I think that it's really important to try and look after ourselves and be kind to ourselves. So make sure we're getting enough sleep, make sure we're eating well, make sure we're drinking plenty of water. Maybe stay away from the booze at those times you're feeling that bit of a slump because, you know, alcohol in itself is a depressant. So you might feel that you're getting a bit of tipsy or a bit of a lift from having a glass of wine, but the next day you might feel a bit rotten after it. So Mm. I'd certainly say those kind of healthy lifestyle factors are, are a good idea. Surrounding yourself with, with someone who can make you laugh as well might help too. And, um, you know, maybe leaving the house and going for a walk and just, you know, leaving everyone if you are feeling a bit down in the dumps. Those endorphins that you'll get when you, when, when you do a bit of exercise will help you as well. But also making sure that maybe 
you, you you know you're getting enough B vitamins. So you know a B complex can be good. Um, a product maybe with with soy isoflavones can be good in it. There are natural plant estrogens as well. So there are um, you know certain things that you can do to help with those mood swings certainly, and uh, you don't have to you know just go through it. I get them myself, so I know all about it. Okay, yeah, me too. <laughs> and certainly as I got older, I find, you know, I used to be fine, but as I got older, yeah. I think uh, it's definitely changed a bit, you know? I know, yeah, as my husband always says, right, okay, I'm staying away from you for the next few days, so. <laughs> he sounds like an intelligent man. <laughs> Laura Dowling, aka The Fabulous Pharmacist, thank you very much for joining us on The Opinion Line on 96FM this morning. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96 FM. Welcome back. Now, imagine being told that your baby would never be able to walk and then witnessing him taking his first steps. The joy that that must have been for Leona McSweeney, who joins me on the line now. Good morning, Leona. Hello, good morning, Leona. Hello. Hello, Leona. Hi. Uh, hi, Leona. Um, yeah, so just tell me a little bit about Warren, your little son. He took his first steps, but this was an extraordinary moment for you and your, your husband. Yeah, so um, Warren was diagnosed with Harler syndrome in um, June of last year. So with that comes so many complications. One of them is the fact that he might never walk. Um, so like all his muscles, his bones, everything is affected by this disease um, and there's obviously no cure for it but there is treatment. So in October of last year we left to go to Manchester for um, a bone marrow transplant um, and we returned in December um, and since that transplant, like there's been loads of hospital emissions, ICU emissions but each hurdle he just faces and it's just like it's not going to do anything to him, he's going to fight no matter what so um, we started physio with Sinead in Barefoot Physio and we actually got it through the Marcy Foundation because we're tied in with them, so we've just been so lucky that like after his first physio session he just got up and went he is doing brilliant. He doesn't even walk. He runs. He's doing so well. And it's just, it was just amazing. I suppose there were so many times throughout this year that we thought, you know, like he's been so sick, he was ventilated. And we just thought, like, sometimes you think, is he ever going to get over this? Is he going to make it through it? And for him to walk was just amazing. You know, it just it was like, I suppose other people take for granted, you know, the milestones that their mm. children hit, but like every milestone for us is such a huge achievement. It was just amazing and like, we honestly thought you know, last year before it's like, we're like, he's going to do it, you know, he's going to get up and walk, mm. but it, it just wasn't happening and he wasn't getting there, you know and he was getting so frustrated because he's such like a little independent boy, like he wants to do his own little thing, you know so like that was really holding him back and he was so determined to get it and literally just one night he just went he just pulled himself up on the chair in the front room and just went and hasn't stopped since Oh such a cutie and uh, Leona just tell me a little bit the condition it's mucopolysaccharidosis or also known as Hurler syndrome and it's a, it's a very rare condition Yeah so there's about um, 50 in the whole of Ireland have it um, it's literally, he, there's um, a sugar molecule in his DNA. His enzymes aren't working. Um, it's just not breaking that sugar molecule down. So um, it affects everything. So 
it affects his brain, so his development was affected hugely. Um, his eyesight, hearing, um, his heart, his lungs, like a lot of the kids die from, like there's this thing called gags and it builds up on the heart and the lungs and that's what actually causes them to die. So like without transplant, no, it's not a cure, it was just a treatment. So it'll slow down the process of this disease taking over his body and like hopefully he'll hit development after development but you just don't know mm. how it's going to affect because it affects every child so, so differently and I suppose because it's so rare there's not a lot of research into it. Um, like I think it's only about 20 years ago they started transplanting kids for it and like looking at him this time last year like compared to now like if we didn't do that transplant I don't know how he would have went it just slows down the disease taking over mm-hmm. I suppose like there's so it's going to be such a long road for us like this isn't the end like it, he wasn't transplanted and that's the end of it you know it's like He's walking now, so we mesh with his physio, mm. and like he he definitely needs surgery on his spine. He need a back brace, and um, a lot of them need hip replacements. And um, he needs splints on his leg. Like that's all the next step for us. Now he's up and moving. Yeah, the next thing are all like it's just constant. You know, like you think you're finished with something, and you're coming to the end of it. There's just another battle. There's always going to be another battle for him. He just. He just takes it in a stride. He just amazes us. And it must just, be such a worry for you, though. Yeah, it's been tough. Like, he got really, really sick in February of this year. Like, so sick. Um, and he actually ended up in ICU um, on a ventilator for six days. And I honestly thought, I was like, he's he's not going to make it through it. Mm. You know, like... This, like, he has a compromised airway, so this ventilator that he was going on to save his life could have killed him in the process. So, like, you're just sitting there and you're just trying to take it all in and you just get through it. You have to be strong for him and we have an amazing support system and his dad's amazing and, like, you just get through it and, like, every time you get over it, it's just, like, another win. Mm. So all these all these small little things, like, before we went away, Warren would have never interacted with us or made eye contact and now he's doing all that and it's just, like watching him you're just in awe of how much he can put himself through you know and like how we can come out at the other end of it like in February of this year like I honestly didn't think we'd see his second birthday he was so sick like you were sitting up in ICU and you weren't allowed to touch him or talk to him in case he tried to pull out the tube because he was so heavily sedated Mm. and next week we're celebrating his birthday you know like you just have to take the wins when you get them It has been a hard and long road and like COVID obviously obviously puts such a strain on everything else. Yeah. We're getting there. Like, I suppose we're hurlers, like every birthday is so important, but this is our second one celebrating in isolation. Like last year, COVID was there. This year, he's post-transplant. So we're just losing out on them little things this Mm -hmm. year, but hopefully next year we're on the other side of, of it and he's, recovered from transplant and we're getting there small bit at a time as I said each yeah. each step that's good or each step that he accomplishes is always going to be a win for us and we just take it as a win and we just work towards some goals 
Yeah. Well, listen, Leona, thank you so much for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning and best of luck to little Warren and the future that he has ahead. Now, we've just had a quick update from Neave in relation to some traffic news in Cork. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Just before the ad break, I was saying that Neve had sent us a traffic update here to the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. And I think we have that now. Hi there. Just to let you know, there's no lights on the Dunkettle roundabout. And it's getting to be mayhem down here, just in case anybody is going to be coming down this direction. Thank you very much for that, Neve. And if you want to get in touch with us about anything, it's 1850-715-996-0833-969696. Now, uh, we all know that children, when they start out in life, are full of confidence. But we see then over time that a lot of that confidence could be worn away due to certain issues that happen to them in their lives. And joining me on the line now is Sarah Cooney, who's an adult life coach and a kids and teens life coach and a play therapist. Play therapist. Good morning, Sarah. Morning, Fiona. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Sarah, just with regards to confidence in children, first of all, what happens to them as they get older? Why do they decide, why do they start to lose a little bit of their self-belief and a lot of confidence? Um, It's very dependent on their environment, Fiona. Um, So, like, we're born with naturally high levels of confidence and we... When we're babies and children, we kind of take that confidence from within as opposed to our outside environment. But as time goes on, you know, due to societal norms and values and having to conform to those, we start taking our value from our outside environment. So from our parents, our extended family, our friends, our social circle. And unfortunately, you know, we're not always given... Um, a good idea of what kind of people we are. You know, people can treat us harshly at times Mm. and we internalise that then and that chips away at our confidence. So you stop taking your confidence from that inner resource or that inner well of it inside and you start taking your self-worth and your value from the people outside of you and unfortunately that you know especially in different social situations doesn't always work out so well for us you know so as a parent if you're starting to notice that your children um are losing confidence in themselves what can you do well i would be saying to definitely kind of encourage them to you know love themselves to appreciate themselves to point out things that they like you know giving them the power to build up their confidence within themselves and also regulating their emotions and things like that as well and just giving them that self-belief, you know, that even though sometimes someone might treat them in a not-so-nice way, that that's their problem, you know, that says more about them than the child themselves. And any other tips that you'd have for them then? So what about, um, do you know, like if a, if a child comes to you and says that, uh, you know, they're not doing so well, that they, they don't really believe in, in their abilities, you know, how can you, you build that confidence up in them? So you'd be kind of coaching them around looking at what they are good at and what they do enjoy and, you know, um, all of those kind of skills that they've already built up within themselves. And you'd be reminding them of that and also just literally 
you know, spending time with them, pouring that love into them, that that gives them that inner confidence, you know, that they feel worthy, even if they don't feel worthy outside the home, that they feel worthy within the home. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, when you're having those conversations with them, are there any kind of like phrases or words that you should really avoid that maybe we use ourselves and we just don't even realise the impact that it has on people? Yeah, well, I mean, if there are parents out there that are worried about, you know, those kind of things, just to be, I suppose, to start out by observing your, even your own self-talk and how you talk to yourself, because an awful lot of behaviour is modelled to children, so they are going to take their cues from you. Mm. So watching and observing your own kind of behaviour, your own self-talk and how you talk to them. And then, look, if you do come across bits and pieces that you can change slowly making those changes you know don't beat yourself up again that's all down to to confidence and self-talk is very important um how we treat ourselves so start by modeling you know that you love yourself that you appreciate yourself that you accept yourself as you are and do the same for your children but they will when they see you doing that they will start doing that themselves and Sarah, I know you're a play therapist and you're a kids and teens life coach. Have you been seeing the impacts of the pandemic and the lockdowns, the various lockdowns on children and their self-confidence? Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm kind of working more with adults at the moment, but okay. I have, you know, through coaching parents and things, I am. I'm hearing that, you know, confidence um, is really taking a nosedive at the moment and the the thing about that is there's a lot of fear you know I mean we're living in a fear ridden society at the moment unfortunately that's all kind of part of the pandemic Mm. and um, people don't know what to do they don't know how to regulate that fear that anxiety that stress around it so if they want to kind of work on that I'd be saying look into regulating emotions looking into anxiety and what it is you know it's an an emotion but it can get out of hand and um, all kind of stress management techniques techniques and you know breathing and all those kind of things will really really help um in terms in terms of managing and regulating emotions i suppose it's a worrying time for many parents it is yeah because we still you know there's still an awful lot of uncertainty even a year and a half into it um you know and it can be very divisive as well you know different people have different takes on things and it's all that people are talking about as well so yeah. you know it's it's like it's information overload, sensory overload. So trying to take time out from that is, is a really good idea and, you know, talk about positive things and have fun as a family and, you know, all those things really help. And just reassuring your child all the time that, you know, coming back to your, your current, you know, environment, the safety of that environment and reassuring them of that and giving them those skills to 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 carry out themselves, you know. Sarah Cooney, thanks very much for all of that. Hopefully it'll be of some benefit to some of our listeners this morning, 1850-715-996-083-396-96. Keep your calls and comments coming in to us, 1850-715-996 or 083-396-96-96. In relation to the conversation I had with Paddy Monaghan a while ago in relation to religion in schools, Chrissy's been in touch to say, my son is given an iPad for religion class. In communion year, his teacher said he needed 
maths resource support. No wonder core subjects need to come first, I feel. And uh, Fergal on the research desk has been telling me that our research study by the Oireachtas Library and Research Service in 2020 showed that out of the 3,240 primary schools in Ireland, only 150 were multi-denominational school. 2,760 are Catholic schools, 172 are Church of Ireland with 24 others. Keep your calls and texts coming into us 185-715-996-083-396-9696. Now, how do you deal with people who do not wear masks, who want to come into your house, even though they're unvaccinated, who sneeze and cough without covering their mouth? It's all about lockdown etiquette and joining me now is Therese McCullough Media. Is that right? Sorry. That's right. It is Fiona, yes. Okay, it's so a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies there. So it's Therese no, it's Amelia. Right. <laughs> Therese, what do you do if you're in a situation like that? If if somebody's coming into your house and they're not vaccinated or they're refusing to wear a mask, how do you approach this whole issue? Well, you just really the way to approach it is you explain to them your concerns and your concern comes from compassion. You're trying to protect yourself, maybe your parents or a family member who's a high risk. You could also suggest that you meet actually outside in the garden or somewhere outside, you know, in a park or wherever for a coffee. Funny you should even raise that. Somebody just brought to my attention the other day that somebody turned up at their house and they weren't wearing a mask, and they said, I'd really prefer if you would wear a mask. Yeah. And they went, oh, okay. And they said, well, no, I don't want to wear the mask. And they said, well, we're really sorry, but, you know, I can't um, let you in because that's just the way we feel. And they said, but we'd like to, you know, meet, I'd like to meet up with you and have a coffee with you um, in the local park. Mm. So lo and behold, the friend turned up, and guess what? She was wearing a mask. Okay. but what do you do if it's a situation where you ask somebody to wear a mask and they become offended by the request well it's just they have to understand it's all in the tone that you use to them you know Mm. to say like I'm really sorry I know you obviously feel differently about this but the best thing is that we agree to differ on it you know and that um, I would love to have you but unfortunately because of the pandemic it just can't happen. That's just to, you know, explain. Mm. People have to understand, because if you use proper etiquette, it's all to do with respecting other people, making them feel comfortable and at ease. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're out in public and somebody walking past you or somebody sitting beside you sneezes and they don't cover their mouth or they cough and they don't cover their mouth, like, is there a way of approaching that then? Well, not really. The best thing is just to remove yourself from wherever it is. Um, normally people like that um, are consultational. You know, that's why they, they don't go along with the rules most of the time. Now, there are exceptions where people, you know, because of various medical conditions or whatever can't, you know, comply with all the rules. Mm. But mostly, um, your best your best option is just to remove yourself because saying something to them, you know, may just escalate the whole thing. And, you know, like, what if you're in a shop and uh, you see somebody who doesn't have a mask on them and you, you, you feel uncomfortable being in the same place as them? Like, can you, is there a way of maybe going up and approaching them and asking them to put the mask on? No. You're bet- the best um, thing to do with regard to people not wearing masks is to avoid them as most, most you can. Now, mm-hmm. if it's in a shop situation, it really is up to the manager there to see that people do comply at the door and that they actually have masks available mm-hmm. so that people say, oh, I forgot my mask or whatever, so that it's actually there for them. If you really feel, you know, very, um, how would I say, upset about it or whatever, mm. the only thing would be to approach the manager and, you know, say that you felt very unsafe because people are in the supermarket and, you know, quite close to you and that they're not wearing a mask or else just decide to shop elsewhere. And I suppose like even for people who work are working in shops, I'm sure there's a, a way for them to maybe get the best reaction from the public if they are approaching them and something like this, because if they come over and they're all heavy handed, then obviously that's going to get somebody's back up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You have to just, um, as I say, it's all in the tone of voice. You just have to kind of, you know, um, almost apologise to them and say, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to ask you, you know, to wear a mask or to leave. It's, as I say, because we need even to kind of maybe joke about, oh, gosh, you know, I forgot the mask myself. I felt such a fool or whatever. Or, you know, just be calm about it if you have to approach them in a calm way. As I say, it's all in the communication, the way you actually say it, because if you raise your voice, you always keep it in a very calm voice and just see how they react. And have you had people contacting you about this issue where they have had situations and they've just really not known how to deal with it or they're afraid that maybe they'd have a situation where there may be some sort of a, a gathering or whatever, but they, you know, if it's a wedding or, you know, a, a party, a birthday party or whatever, and they are trying to stick to the rules, but they know that there's one or two people in the family who um, are just not going to be vaccinated or they're not going to wear their masks. And are people genuinely concerned about how they're going to approach this situation yes they are and mm. um, the best advice that you can give if it's going to be like a close gathering like a party or a wedding or something like that the best thing to do is for you to opt out 
if you feel really uncomfortable about it because you do realise that they're not going to comply, that there is going to be the risk factor. So the best thing would be, you know, thank them very profusely Mm. that you've been invited and thank you so much for including us. But I'm afraid I'll just, um, you know, decide, we've decided that we, we won't come. And that's just the best thing to do. What if you're the person who's hosting the event? Um, like, should you say to people when you're inviting them, look, um, you know, I want you to come, but I want you to wear a mask? <laughs> yeah. 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 No. yeah. no, as the hostess, you're responsible for all of the people that you're inviting to whatever your function is. So on that case, you need to tell them prior to them coming that the rules would be, you know, we're having the social distancing or mask wearing and so on. And then it's up to the person if they feel, no, you know what I mean, I don't want to attend a function like that. You know, if I have to, if I'm compelled to wear a mask or uh, social distance. So it's up to them. At the end of the day, we can control our own behaviour, but we can't control others. Yeah, indeed. We've just had a comment there from somebody. This reminds me of the seatbelt advert on TV encouraging people to ask their passengers to belt up. Yes, I know. I think it's a bit of a cringy ad, to tell you the truth. (laughs) (laughs) But I suppose it's just the times that we're in, isn't it? Exactly. It it really is. And even, you know, it's been like, it's quite um, in in the norm for, from an etiquette point of view, even to ask people if they're vaccinated. Now, some people, you know, it's been nearly blow a gasket when you ask them that. But the point is that it is, you know, for the welfare of everyone that you're inquiring about it. And people are entitled to their own opinion, but they do have to understand that they, you know, can't always be included in things if they decide to opt out of this. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. Therese McCullough, Amelia, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, how do you feel about lockdown etiquette? Would you feel comfortable asking somebody not to wear a mask? 1850-715-996-083-396-9696. Now, just, we've been speaking so much about the hot weather and I know that there have been some uh, counties across the country that have been asked to conserve water. Um, joining me on the line now is Neil Smith. He's Asset Operations Lead with Irish Water. Neil, Good morning. Good morning, Fiona. How are you? Neil, we've had a few hot days and we're being asked to conserve water. <laughs> I know, I know. And look, um, uh, you know, it's it's so welcome this this spell of fine weather. It's it's brilliant, especially when lots of us are uh, holidaying at home this year. Um, but one of the downsides, look, of 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 dry weather is that. Um, uh, our our uh, water sources, rivers and lakes, and and groundwater, mm. you know, will 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 drop, and at the same time, the need for water increases. The demand for water goes up in terms of its usage, in you know, in all of our houses, uh, you know, on farms uh, and in businesses, and that just like you know and it's no secret i suppose that our infrastructure in certain places is fairly fragile in terms of our ability to ramp up uh, production and meet that extra demand so you know and in lots of places you know we're lucky we've great headroom in the in the in the in the city area but mm. demand is up in the city area by about 10% um, and 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 in other areas it can be up as much as 25 30% um and you know particularly west cork 
uh, and North Cork, where um, uh, d- you know demand on already kind of fairly tight water supply schemes is 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 very high. So I suppose, look, thanks thanks for having us on the program, um, and 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 really what we're what we're asking for is for just people to be mindful of the, 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 the situation we're in where we're making a lot of interventions in order to maintain supply just in terms of their usage, just small things. If, if, if everyone could do their bit at home and, and, and at their business in terms of just being conscious to reduce water usage, you know, don't... Surely no you wouldn't need... be telling us now to not have the paddling pool out for the kids. Um, look, look, I mean, using paddling pools uses a lot of water. I mean, if mm. it's full... Just if it's full, leave leave the water that's 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 in your paddling pool. You know, don't please don't replenish it. Just you, you know, you can get chlorine tablets or filters or whatever. Just please use the water that's already in in it. You know, for for, for the next period. That 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 would be great help. And 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 you know, look the lawns. The lawns can can take a bit of heat. They can get a tan like the rest of us. And and let's let's just you know leave the lawns. No need to water the lawns when the rain does come. You know the grass will green up again, and yeah. and, and that'll be fine. And, what about and, washing and, ourselves? Like I was talking to somebody there earlier about the heat, and I was saying that kids in particular just get so mucky in this weather. <laughs> ah, yeah. Look, I mean, the, 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 we have to keep uh, uh, reasonably clean, all of us. Uh, so I wouldn't be recommending any reduction in the frequency of your baths or showers, but maybe using a bit less. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe if, if each of us shaved a minute off our, our, our showers, you know, we, 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 we'd save, you know, 10 or 12 litres a day if you take a, a mm. shower a day. And combined, that could add up to 5 or 6% of the whole demand on a, on a, on a, on a scheme. So, you know, small things, and there's plenty of kind of guidance and tips on our website, you know, and I'd encourage everyone just to, to look in and see what, uh, you know, efforts they could make to, to, to try to, to save water because it is precious. It is hard work to get um, uh, water supply out to the public. And, and we appreciate everyone's efforts to kind of help us just get through this 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 spell. So and, and Neil, if anybody wants to have a look at those tips, where can they find them or where do they go? They're, they can go to www.water.ie and there's a link there on our homepage to the to the guidance. And the other thing that, that people can do is to telephone us uh, on eighteen hundred two seven eight two seven eight. You know, if they have any concerns about their you know their own supply uh, or, or indeed, if they identify or spot a leak out on the public road, because that that helps us get to things quicker. I mean, mm-hmm. we do have kind of uh, stretch resources across the ground, and you know, it might take a little while for us to get to fix that leak. But please ring up to report it. You can also report it through our website, water.ie. But that that would be great if people could kind of log in see all the bits and maybe implement some of them at home. Somebody wants to know about the taps that save water. Are they for real or a marketing gimmick? Uh, there, there are low flow devices that you can get uh, 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 that, that that kind of reduce the, the, the throughput of water in, 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 in a pipe or in, 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 in showers. And yes, they, 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 they would help. I'm not particularly au fait with different brands or, or how they, mm. uh, uh, you know, are, are, are recommending ones. But certainly, yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you imagine like a, a toilet flush 
you know, originally, you know, and, and growing up, you know, you, you'd, you'd flush the entire cistern. And now we have a dual flushing approach where, you know, uh, there's a smaller flush that, that you can use. These type of things all help to just use the minimum amount of water for, for our kind of daily tasks and use, using less, any effort to use less. Installing um, such devices to reduce kind of consumption would be all adding to it. As well as that, you know, rainwater harvesting. If you have any way to collect kind of rainwater and, and reuse it in butts or buckets or anything and then use that to kind of keep the, the shrubs that are now kind of suffering in the heat. You can also collect, you know, in, in have a basin in the sink, you know, and just, just collect the water that otherwise would go down the drain and, you know, the plants would be delighted with that in the evening after after a hot day. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. Listen, Neil Smith, thank you so much. That's Neil Smith from Irish Water. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on the opinion line this week. Now, John has been in touch with regards to communions and confirmations, and he says, watching Eid the other day, it was lovely. With communions and confirmations, would it not be a good idea to have mass communions and confirmations with a similar setup at Parky Cueve or somewhere similar, host where somewhere like that where they could host Cork students? Thank you for getting in touch with us, John. What do you think about that idea? 1850 Now, Miss Cork 2020, Zoe Hendrick, was on the show last year talking about racism and about the Black Lives Matter movement that was sweeping across America and indeed over here in Ireland. And she joins me now with an update. Zoe, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well. And thanks for joining us on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM this morning. Zoe, have there been any improvements in the way we deal with racism here since all of the Black Lives Movement um, last year? I definitely think there's been an improvement. It's a conversation that was needed to be had for so long and it's finally been discussed. And I think people are learning and kind of understanding why things were so serious and getting so topical at the moment but it's still a conversation that needs to be had it's not fixed in a year but things are definitely improving like it was very sad for how the conversation had to be started yeah. but myself and Pamela who's Miss Galway is also another person of colour and we talk about it every now and again and like, unfortunately, like, it's still nasty texts we get every now and again on our social media saying, oh, we're playing the black card or something nasty like that. But people are now defending it and realising stuff like that is wrong. And people are researching and people are actually asking questions now, like, what do we find acceptable? What don't we find acceptable? How can things be improved? Because I know myself, I did a talk uh, webinar really a few months ago discussing it in my old college. And the one thing that was kind of asked was, can, like, does it start in primary schools? Like, how do you teach it? And I think mm. what I was saying was, it is a discussion that needs to be started as you know, to show that, like, we're all the same. It's just skin colour and that if racism is involved, it should be almost treated as bullying. It should be treated as bullying in schools and just the same consequence because... For years I was dealing with confidence issues because of it, but now 
I'm confident enough to speak out about it and I definitely think in the last year I've seen an improvement around Ireland. And Zoe, would you have experienced quite a lot of racism when you were growing up? Not as much as like you'd hear about like in America and stuff like that. So it is something I'm very, very proud to say that I yes, I've experienced but nothing to the degree the degree you'd you'd see in America with the police brutality and stuff like that. So that's something I am proud to say that I I'd never be afraid to approach the guardy here but it was something that I grew up with like when boys were becoming like when we moved away from playing with dolls and being interested in boys I grew up being told oh they're never going to find a person of colour as attractive as someone with like blonde hair or like pale skin and it was just like little things like that and then when I started modelling it was oh we already have a person of colour for this show we don't need a second one and it was just little things like that and I just remember there was like, I remember when you were able to start going to town without your parents, like I was told, oh, like the security guard's probably going to look at you and think you're up to something because of your skin colour, so don't like give them no excuse to. So it was always like in my mind that like people are going to stare at me because of my skin colour. And it was half the reason I dropped out of Miss Course back when I was 18. I'm now 25 in the last two weeks. <laughs> um, but I re-entered and I knew it was something that needed to discuss because even... Like, there's never been a person of colour who has won Miss Ireland, and yes, it would be a huge, absolute honour to win and be the first person to colour, but that's not why I entered Miss Ireland. It was it was mainly to use the platform to start the discussion that, yes, I am a person of colour, but I am no different to you. I, I bleed the same, I speak English, um, we're very similar, I'm just a bit darker. Mm. And I think nowadays, the conversation has been had and people of my generation understand it but like I know even before like in retail when I used to work in retail that like the older generation like one or two times someone would come up to me before I would even open my mouth they would go on someone that's Irish to serve me and yeah. I was born here <laughs> I didn't I'm fluent in English so it was things like that that would get me but that doesn't happen as much here and I definitely see an improvement in Ireland. Which is great. And do you think that the fact that you were voted Miss Cork, that that gives other young girls, um, you know, the, the motivation to push themselves forward for things? I really hope it does. Like, if you look at Miss Ireland this year, it's definitely like the most diverse year there's been. There's so many people of different nationalities and cultures and it's so interesting to learn about it. And yes, and even like when we're in a room together, you hear all the different accents and it's so fascinating. I definitely hope that seeing how diverse this year is gives most girls that extra push to like just go for it and if you really want to do it go for it because I've kind of like as growing up I've changed my motto to be like people are going to stare no matter what you're going to do nowadays with social media and stuff so you might as well do something you're going to enjoy and I hope that me entering and me actually winning Miss Cork shows that yes you any, anyone can do it it doesn't matter what your skin type is what your nationality is that you can win it as well if the judges feel you're the right person to do it. You said that um, attitudes have changed since the protests last year and that there mm -hmm. have been more discussions and more positive discussions around the issue. Do you think over time that we will see an end to racism here? I hope so. Um, like that now, like people, like before, like when I first started going out, if there was racism, like you could see racism happening, people would just kind of turn a blind eye and try not to get involved and like, oh, that's not happening. But nowadays you can see people stepping in and standing up for the person and educating the person being like, that's not a correct thing to say, like that's not okay. And even if it's like a private conversation with friends and 
something doesn't sit right with someone. People are more confident to say it now and be like, that's not okay. So I do think it is something that will end eventually is what I'm hoping, but I still think we're a bit off it just yet. Okay. And being Miss Cork 2020, I mean, that must have been a strange one since we were in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> it was very strange. <laughs> and in what way did it affect you, like, and having, um, you know, that year for yourself? It was it was definitely interesting because it was a lot of kind of like sitting at home and doing a lot of stuff over social media. Now the second that with the Miserium finals being in September, there is a lot more activities going on with restrictions being eased. But like for that first kind of year of it, the first few months, it was very strange because a lot of the other county competitions got held back. So there's only about five of us like technically in the finals at the time. So not much was going on and it was kind of Yes, we're here and we're supporting you. If you think of anything, like we're here to help. But it was kind of, this is your time to promote yourself. So it was a lot to, like on you to decide how much do you want to get out of this. So it was a lot of trying to sit at home, trying to be creative with everything shot around you and wondering how you're going to manage. It, it was an interesting year, but I wouldn't change it. It was so interesting as well. And very excited for the finals then. Fabulous. And when are the finals? They are the 5th of September. Okay, well, best of luck to everybody who's taking part in that. And Zoe Hendrick, thanks so much for joining us on the opinion line this morning. The Corks 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. With localheroes.ie. Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths, and more with a 12 month guarantee. Backed by Board Gosh. The Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards are back. We want you to nominate places and services that are the best in Cork. The categories are Best Hairdresser, Best Beauty Salon, Best Bar, Best Barber, Best Breakfast, Best Coffee, Best Takeaway, Best Local Tradesperson, Best Gym, Best Restaurant, Best Workplace, Best Hotel and Best Burger. Go to 96FM.ie right now and nominate your favourite. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie Find trusted local plumbers, electricians, locksmiths and more with a 12-month guarantee backed by Gosh Energy on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Fiona Corcoran in for PJ Coogan on today's Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Now we heard during the week about a rise in crack cocaine around the country and we wanted to find out what the situation was with regards to crack cocaine usage here in Cork and joining me now to discuss this is Michael Guerin from Brewery House Coonwira. Good morning Michael. Good morning Fiona. Michael are we seeing a rise in crack cocaine usage and addiction here in Cork? Um, I suppose Fiona we have been aware of an increased availability of crack cocaine um, nationally and of course in Cork City over the last maybe two, two and a half, three years. Prior to that we only had heard about anecdotal stories about crack cocaine and stuff but now we believe that crack cocaine is available via the same supply chain through which one would access heroin and we believe it's quite widespread and over half of the clients that, that we have in our care at the moment and that we have had over about the past year tell us that they would have no difficulty whatsoever in getting their hands on crack cocaine and that that over half group to which I refer would have used it at some point along the way. Now, over half of them wouldn't be dependent on it, but they would certainly have come across it and they would have used it. So we have good reason to believe that it is widely available amongst the drug dealing network. 
And what's the difference between crack cocaine and normal cocaine? The, the difference between crack cocaine and, and regular cocaine in the, in the physical sense is that crack cocaine is a crystal that is got through a process they call cooking powdered cocaine with bicarbonate of soda and various other things. So it is a crystal that is smoked rather than a powder that is snorted. And what about so the effects of it then? Are the they... physical difference. The, the difference between crack cocaine and ordinary cocaine or powdered cocaine is indescribable. Crack cocaine induces this incredibly intense, short-lived euphoric high in the user, which is followed by a catastrophic low. And I suppose this is the worrying part about it, that people who are introduced to crack cocaine are very often offered heroin to deal with the, the after effects of a crack cocaine use episode. Mm. So as I explained to you, they have this incredibly intense euphoric high followed by a catastrophic low and some of them end up medicating that low with heroin in order to cope with it. So I mean, it, it's about as bad as it gets, Fiona, in terms of drug use. And also, of course, the addictive potential of crack cocaine is very high as well. People would get addicted to crack cocaine in, in a single-figure number of uses, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. So in under 10 episodes of use, they would probably be displaying the traits of, of somebody who is dependent on the substance. So it's all very worrying. And why do you think that there's been such a rise in crack cocaine in recent years? Well, not everybody agrees with me in what I'm going to say next, but it's mm. what I believe. I believe the, the emergence of crack cocaine as a substance of interest in Ireland and its, its growth um, as a substance that's being used by drug-dependent people is connected to the absolute epidemic of powdered cocaine that we have going on at the moment that everybody seems to have kind of, I won't say ignored, but turned a blind eye to over the past number of years. The availability of powdered cocaine and the number of users and people who are addicted to powdered cocaine is the reason why people are now ending up in far smaller numbers, it has to be said, because there is no comparison but there is definitely, I believe, the crack cocaine users are people who might have graduated on from very heavy, prolonged, free-based cocaine or powdered cocaine use. So if you're asking for the, the reason as why I think it's the case, I think it's all down to what's happening behind the scenes with cocaine that is just mind-boggling, to be quite honest. Is it largely injected or used with a pipe here in Cork? It's normally used with a pipe. There are, we have heard of cases where people inject crack cocaine, but that would be the exception rather than the rule. It's normally smoked with a pipe. Um, but there are cases, and again, it would be symptomatic of progression where people who might have used crack cocaine for a while might attempt injecting it. But that's, uh, I mean, in terms of dangerous pursuits, that's up there with about one of the most dangerous things you can do. We often see photographs on social media from people who say that they've seen drug paraphernalia around the city and a lot of the time it might be associated with heroin, but could it be crack instead? Um, generally speaking, you wouldn't see paraphernalia discarded with crack abuse in the same way that you would see like things like needles and tinfoil and syringes mm. and that type of thing discarded in the case of heroin abuse. So I wouldn't say the paraphernalia would be as evident 
in terms of litter, as you would see with with the, the paraphernalia that are related to heroin use. And Michael, just from your own opinions and, and from what you've seen of the effects of crack cocaine on people, do you think that there needs to be stronger punishments for drugs offences here? I think there needs to be a realignment of, of the way in which we police drug-based offences. Um, prior to the changing of the law there about 18 months ago, where Gardaí no discretion where possession is concerned, we were prosecuting about 15,000 cases under the Misuse Drug Act per annum. 12,000 of them were for possession. So in other words, what I'm saying is four out of five cases going before the courts were end users rather than suppliers. So we really need to divert those resources. I think maybe we need to seriously look at decriminalisation of possession across the board Mm. under a certain quantity and then divert the resources that are saved from that within the criminal justice system to chasing the bigger seizures and the people who are higher up the food chain. But I suppose the biggest worry about it is, Fiona, that there is good reason to believe that the people who control this drug trade are not even within the jurisdiction. So no matter what we do in terms of Irish policing and Irish prosecutions, that the the engine that drives all this industry, because it is an industry, albeit it's an an illegal one, Mm. um, are probably elsewhere. So that's very concerning that they might be beyond our reach. And Michael, we were discussing earlier about the legalisation of cannabis here in Ireland and I know that cannabis and crack cocaine are on different ends of the spectrum but do you think that uh, cannabis should be legalised here or is there an argument for that campaign? I'm not necessarily of the view that legalisation of cannabis is going to change as much as people who think legalisation of cannabis is a good idea think. Mm. What I'm trying to say is I don't think the illegal trade in cannabis is going to necessarily roll over and fold up shop and walk off simply because it's legalised. Certainly, the difference between crack cocaine and cannabis is like the difference between night and day. Mm. Um, But I think we, if our relationship with other legalised, regulated, addictive substances is anything to go by, and by that I am referring to alcohol and tobacco. Mm. I don't think legalisation, taxation and regulation are necessarily things that bring about an improvement in society's relationship with the substance. So in that, in that case, I think what we need to do at the moment is we need to look at decriminalisation of possession across the board or something onto that lines, and adopt health-led approach to the people who may be suffering from drug problems and then try and minimise supply and also increase education, prevention and awareness with children under junior cert age in second level schools. And Michael, before I let you go there, just if you are concerned about a partner or work colleague or a friend who may be on crack, what kind of things do they need to be looking out for? Um, it would be fairly easy to spot somebody who would be abusing crack cocaine because the devastation it wreaks on somebody is is almost apparent from 100 yards. So I would be saying to anybody who has any issue with any substance or has a loved one or a friend or work colleague who they think might have a problem, certainly encourage them to ring us www.coonvera.ie we're open 24 hours a day and we would be glad to talk to them about their options and maybe anything we could do to help them 
Michael, thank you so much for taking our call here this morning. Now, we did mention earlier in our discussion about whether or not it was too hot that we would be speaking to a sleep expert um, who has some tips on getting your child to, to sleep in this heat. And she joins me now on the line. Kelly Gyogen, good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. Kelly, um, I know that it's difficult for many people to try and get to sleep in this heat, but particularly for many children, um, have you got any tips or advice on what we as parents can do to help our children get a good night's sleep? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have a few tips. The unfortunate thing about Ireland is we're not equipped for this warm weather. So by the time we acclimatise, it's over. (laughs) So (laughs) it's just about managing it as we go through this little heat wave and come out the other side without killing each other. Mm. So um, a couple of things that we have to keep in mind, safety is the priority. So we don't want heavy blankets over buggies. If your baby's very young, we prefer to have a sleep in the bassinet where they have a little bit more space and room rather than the car seat where they're all squished in and getting hot and sweaty. Mm. So those little things can help keep baby safe. And also bath time. I'm a strong believer. I've traveled the world with families and I always use bath time as part of our bedtime routine. And during this heat wave, it can actually help a tepid, not cold, not hot, a nice tepid bath can help lower the core temperature and we sleep better in a cooler environment and by having that tepid bath before bed is going to help as well so that can help also what i would recommend is during the daytime so from like mid-afternoon in the hot heat roll down the blinds in the house and but crack all the windows open and let a little bit of ventilation through the house so even if you're in the bungalow or if you have you know um you're in a townhouse let the air circulate because heat rises and if you are if baby's bedroom is upstairs that's where the heat is going to go Mm. so again a nice cool room is going to keep baby safe and we're looking for a temperature in between 19 and 21 degrees um in order to keep baby safe i have a lot of parents saying baby's hot and bothered the room is 28 29 that's not really safe you know for a baby so i would be suggesting to them invest in a fan to try and circulate the air but there's no point in circulating warm air in a room we have to try and cool the room and little tips like if you do have a desktop fan and you're putting it there you can put cold bottles of water in front of it and that can blow and encourage colder air to go through the room so when i'm working abroad i normally blast the air con if i'm in dubai or australia mm. i'll blast the air con in the baby sleep environment while we're doing the bath and then when I go in, I'll close that cold air into the room, turn off the air con or turn it on a very low setting and um, almost lock the cold air in for the first part of the night. Because the temperature does go down by about two degrees in the middle of the night. So it's just really for the first part of the night um, we're, we're really trying to cool it down. And then it should naturally cool down ever so slightly anyway. How important is it to keep that routine? Because I know even for an older child, like I have a seven-year-old now and it's impossible for him to even switch off because it's so bright outside and he knows that it's bright, even though, you know, if I have a blackout blind or whatever. But, you know, keeping that routine for children, it is difficult in the summertime. It's very difficult, especially with your, like, seven-year-olds, you can kind of explain to them, they understand the concept of time. But Mm. your three-year-old says, Mama, the sun is still up. It's not bedtime. You're like, it's bedtime, it's going to be bedtime. 
Okay. But all we really can do is go crazy all the way up to dinner, go out in the garden, play with your water activities. That's another way of cooling children down, you know, out mm. the garden. But from dinner to bedtime, mentally start to wind them down for bed. Otherwise, they're wired. I, I feel like a five and six, seven-year-old could handle a little bit more garden play. Mm. But your, your like two to five-year-old can't. If you send them out to the garden after dinner, you're probably going to wind them up. It's like us going to the gym and then going to bed. We're going to take ages to wind down. Our body is tired, but our mind is bouncing. Okay, so quiet time. And also, I know it, you might be, I'll put them in front of a cartoon. Screens emit a blue light, and a blue light can impact the production and the release of melatonin in the brain. So screens late in the day are actually activating the brain, not winding us down. So keep that in mind. So books, puzzles, colouring, low stimulation activity late in the day. And light clothing then, or even just, if it's a baby, just even a nappy, would that be okay? I often find babies in a nappy will wake up. So I, you can get like a 0.5 sleep bag, or sorry, 0.2 sleep bag, as light as that. It's like a light cotton sheet. Now, it really does depend on each individual house. Mm. But did you ever fall asleep the past week on top of your covers? But mm. at some point, you got under there. Yeah. <laughs> a baby can't do that. Why did you get under there? Because the temperature outside dropped, but also... When we're in a deep sleep cycle, our core temperature drops by almost two degrees. The blood goes into the vital organs and our little handies and nose gets cool. So as adults, we can get under the covers or put our hands under our armpits or snuggle. Mm. You know, a baby will struggle to do that and they will wake up. So I would say observe the temperature at bedtime, but also the temperature at three in the morning and try and make a kind of happy medium in the middle but keeping baby safe and uh, rather than your um, cosy flannelette fitted sheet go with your lovely cotton cool fitted sheet as well if you're out during the day and baby needs to take a nap at its normal time but you know you're out at say the beach or whatever like are there, I know you were saying it's dangerous to put a blanket over the the, the car seat or whatever but are there, have you any tips on, on getting a child to go for a little nap during the day Yeah, so what you can do is try and cool baby down beforehand if possible, but also be cute about where you park your buggy. Can you park where there is a cool breeze going through? And there's no problem putting like a little shady as in stop the sun coming in, but we want ventilation. Mm. So the parasols are very good. They're annoying when you're going for a walk because the sun keeps moving (laughs) every time you change direction, you're moving it. Mm. But they're great when you're having a parked buggy nap because they put the shade over the little exposed feet. But you've also got lots of ventilation going in. So um, I would say be careful where you're parking your buggy. Um, If you've got a cool cooler bag with you on the beach um, you can put your nappies in there and then you're putting like a nice cool nappy on baby's bottom right before they go down for a nap that can mm. help as well and um, just make sure lots of hydration um, when we uh, sweat we lose um, moisture and we don't want any baby to get hydrated if mummy's breastfeeding she may need to up the intake of water just to make sure that she stays safe and maintains her supply as well I know a lot of, um, I've been speaking to a lot of adults over the last few days and they're saying that they feel really drained from the sun and that they feel tired. Like, does, do, do children and babies have that same effect? Like, are they just really drained, but then they can't maybe go to sleep because of the heat? I feel like they can't, their wake windows aren't as long because it is taking a lot out of them. So with babies, try and balance up like 
active play outside with back inside, you know, so you're you're not exposing them for like two and a half hours of full whack we're out in the sun. Try and balance it out if you're in a home environment. Um, but, you know, I'm having a lot of parents who, who are saying, oh, like they were sleeping two minutes, Kelly. They just went to bed. They couldn't cope. They were gone, yeah. you know, so they just literally pass out but if you miss the window of opportunity then you're going to have a hot and bothered baby who's in an overtired state so keeping close to your routine is important but do bear in mind that they are going to be a little bit more tired Mm. on those really hot days yeah because I even see it in my own children at the minute and they just seem so tired in the evening times but they don't want to go to bed because it's still <laughs> bright outside it is it's a difficult time for them to try and, and uh, switch off isn't it? <laughs> it, it it is and you know what we we're not, as I said we're not used to it we've been locked in for so long yeah. of course we want to go out and about you know we just have to bear in mind they're still very little young people and they can only handle so much. What about for uh, the big babies? <laughs> for for us adults who have to get up early in the morning but we just can't sleep with the heat. With the heat. So I actually, I live in a little cottage and I have the blinds down, the windows open, there's a lovely cool breeze. It's actually cooler in my house now. I, it took me two years to learn this lesson. It was mm. a sweat box. <laughs> but I actually invested in a Dyson fan. And I, I, one of my last maternity jobs was a new built house. And mm. it was actually in the in October. But the room was whew, dangerously warm. And I was like, yeah. I this is not good for me. It's not good for the bubba. And they actually got a Dyson fan. I said, they're great. I'm going to get one of them. So um, that really helps with the adults. I would say don't ever have something on a strong power setting pointing straight at you. Again, blast it before you get into bed, then put on a low setting just back and forward. If you're using a traditional fan with blades on it and it's been in the shed for the past six months, clean it because you're just going to get dust. (laughs) And why would you not have a blasted right at you? Well, it, it'll dry out your nasal passage, your throat. You'll wake up feeling like you were hungover. Oh, right. <laughs> so, and your eyes as well. So you, it'll, it'll, it might take moisture away from the room. So blasting it at you, like, oh, that, that's lovely and yeah. cool. But when you go into that deep sleep cycle, often you'll hear parents report that they'll either get sniffles or their eyes were completely dried out. So just be more, again, we're not used to it. So yeah. we don't make any kind of um, extreme changes to our sleep because it can just unsettle us even more. I have to say, I actually feel really sorry for anyone who's heavily pregnant in this weather as well. As well. I, I, <laughs> I've, had, I've had a few months, I'm helping with their toddlers and they're going, we're expecting the next one, have to get this one sleeping. I'm like, have you got a paddling pool for your toddler? Yeah, put your feet in it. <laughs> put your feet in it. Put a cloth, wring out a, a face cloth or a little baby muslin cloth. Put yeah. it into the fridge, put it on the back of your neck, put it on your chest just to cool yourself down. Yeah, it must be tough going, bless them. I know, it must indeed. Listen, <laughs> Kelly, thanks so much. That's Kelly Gagan from Sleepy Stars joining us on the Opinion 9 on Cork's 96FM. We've just had an update on those uh, traffic lights at the Dunkettle um, roundabout and we have been contacted to say they are working again and the traffic is clearing which I suppose is going to be a lot of um, which will be huge relief for people with um, who are in, in that traffic there this morning. Now I think, are we going to line two uh, Wayne there with Tracy McGrorty? Hello, good morning Tracy. Hi, how Hi. are you? Is that, that's Tracy, is it? 
No, this is Ashling. This is Ashling. Okay, sorry, sorry. There's a bit of confusion here on the running order. Ashling Muldowney, um, thank you very much for joining me this morning, Ashling. Now, uh, yourself and your friend Mel are doing a, a, a fundraiser for Pieta House and it's called 30 Bays in 30 Days. Just tell me a little bit about that, please. That's right. So we sea swim quite a lot. So we decided, well, actually, Mel had the idea where she thought it would be a good idea if we did something um, for charity through our sea swimming. So she came up with the concept of 30 bays in 30 days. And I suppose PFA is a charity that is very close to both our hearts through our work in GCC. So it was just a natural affiliation, really, I suppose, with the charity and to see if we could raise some money to um, assist with the services that they offer. And why have you and your friend Mel become so involved in sea swimming? Well, I suppose for different reasons for both of us. Um, For me personally, I suppose uh, the loss of my mother in November had a huge impact on my life and I had started sea swimming the summer previous and I had felt great benefits of it. So I suppose I went back to find a little bit of solace in that really, I suppose, in dealing with my grief. Mm. And for Mel then, she had knee replacement surgery, um, which was quite complex in the end with a number of other... um, surgeries following on from that so for her it was about rehabilitation and recuperation of the knee so I suppose together we we made a good sea swimming team really. And um, the the, the sea swimming I mean we've been hearing about so many people who have been doing it particularly over the lockdown and Mm -hmm. uh, there must be a huge benefit to it in in terms of like for your physical well-being but also for your mental well-being. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that there is just something very therapeutic about the ocean, you know. Mm. Um, Like, I suppose, just, I suppose, having experienced it, it, you know, it boosts your immune system. I suppose one of the the big things is the kind of endorphin rush that you get from it, I suppose. A little bit of the madness of it all, you know, getting into the water on the 1st of April in a swimming suit without a wetsuit, (laughs) you know. And uh, in those days, we were like um, a degree, a minute, a degree, you know, so there were some days where you'd only be able to be in for six or seven minutes, you know, but it has massive restorative powers really for the mind. And I suppose mind training, you know, this idea of mind over matter. Mm. Um, I remember saying to Mel on her, her first swim, I said, once you've gone down once, you can't not let yourself do it again the next day. You know what I mean? You've yeah. broken that barrier. So it has huge restorative powers for the mind, really. And Mel herself, she had an operation, did she? She did. She had a knee replacement and then she had uh, subsequent uh, manipulations after that. And she has come such a long way. Um, In one of our swims that we just did there the other day, Glenmore in Cove, her friends had to literally carry her down there a number of months ago. She couldn't even walk down to it and she was able to walk in and swim it the other day. So um, she really has come in such a long way in her recuperation, you know. So how many bays have you done? (laughs) So I think today is today 22. Today will yeah. be 22. Yes, wow. yeah, 22 bays done. We did a few individually there last week. I was in Kerry and uh, Mel was in Sneem, so we swam individually and uh, we reunited there again now this week. So we're nearly there. We're nearly there. And um, we have had, we have enjoyed it thoroughly and we have, we laugh, you know, what we really do laugh and um, have fun on our sea swims, you know, and I suppose that really in itself, you know, um, laughter is great for the soul. You know what I mean? Mm. And why did you decide to raise money for Pieta House? So Pieta, I suppose, we both teach in GCC and I suppose um, the college itself would have a great affiliation with Pieta. You know, they come and they do the Resilience Academy with our students. Um, we would have students who would utilise their service. And um, in 2018, I became the coordinator for the Glanmire Darkness into Light Walk 
So I suppose we've always had an affiliation with that. We um, we launched that walk in with Glenmar Chamber of Commerce. So um, for us, I suppose, working with young people, we have seen a lot of tragedy, I suppose. And it just seemed like the natural fit for us was to was to go with Pieta, you know, because... Um, the service is just, it's a lifeline for people, you know what I mean? And also in the school, we, we do the Amber Flag Initiative as well, which is under the Pieta banner. So I suppose we have a long affiliation with, the, with, with Pieta. And if anybody wants to support you um, in your, your fundraiser, where can they find out about what you're doing? So they can follow our, our Sea Swims Daily on our Facebook page, which is Mel and Ash's 30 Bays in 30 Days. And also then um, the donation page is idonate.ie forward slash Mel and Ash's 30 Bays in 30 Days. And literally every bit helps from 20 euro allows two extra more calls to the helpline to 1,000 euro, which provides an entire program of counselling. So, you know, every single little bit um, helps, even liking the post or sharing the post, you know. Ashing, I suppose there's no need for a wetsuit this last week. No, there isn't. <laughs> it, it's, not really, it's not really hard to get into the water at the moment. <laughs> oh, I'd say so. I'd say it's more of a relief than anything else. It is sublime. It is, yes. It's at, the water is absolutely beautiful at the moment. When I tell people the water isn't cold, they just look at me and throw their eyes up to heaven because they're like, well, you will never think it's cold. No, but, but I, I, was in, I was in the sea now last weekend and it takes a lot for me to get in and I thought it was lovely as well. So Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, it's gorgeous at the moment. Thank God it is. Brilliant, Ashing. Well, listen, best of luck to yourself and Mel with that. And if anybody wants to get in touch with Pieta House, the number is 1800 247 247. Now we're back to Tracy McGrorty. Tracy, good morning. Good morning, Ashing. How are you? Uh, it's Fiona here, Tracy. How are Fiona, you? Sorry. <laughs> you're fine, you're fine. Sorry. Now, Tracy, um, you had a post on Facebook the other day with regards to an incident that you saw at Boyce Crescent in Mayfield. I did. I didn't actually witness the incident myself. What I witnessed was the aftermath of it. Okay. And just tell us what you witnessed. I, I walked up around, I heard three girls screaming, so I went out, I walked up around the side of the last house in my block. I met the three girls. They were absolutely horrified. They found used heroin needles, used condoms. Mm. They witnessed said condoms being used. They were absolutely horrified, those three poor girls. They went home anyway, so they showed me where it was. I went up and had a look. I immediately rang the guard station in Mayfield, mm. to which I was told that you have to wait till Monday for the council to deal with. Right. Rang the council Monday morning, spent 45 minutes on the phone with a lady in the council. No, she was very helpful mm. in that she put the report through and she said someone would be up to deal with it. I asked her, could she give me a time frame? She couldn't. And has anyone been up since? They have. Tuesday morning at about 20 past a man arrived in a truck he went up there he he was going up with gloves and a rub, plastic bag first I stopped him and I said you may need something to pick the stuff up with mm. and definitely a needle box I said there are used needles up there so he went up anyway he, now he did a great job I'm not going to say he didn't he did a great job clearing up he cleared everything away took everything away he broke down some more branches as well I think mm. just to try and deter them from going back in there have you ever seen anything like that there before? I've seen drug dealing at the entrance to the park, which has been reported to the guards on numerous occasions. Mm. And there is nothing being done about it. And Tracy, for parents like yourself, it must be a huge concern. It's absolutely, it's horrific. Like, I mean, I have a six-year-old, almost six-year-old, sorry, she killed me. <laughs> She's autistic. Right. I have a three-year-old 
he's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just yeah. sitting up. Yeah. <laughs> they love being out the front playing. Yeah. And she loves being barefoot for whatever reason. I am terrified now to leave them out the front. I mean, like, and that's just, you know, every child, I think, loves to be out barefoot, especially in the summertime when it's yeah, so hot. Yeah, it's warm. They, yeah, and I mean, like, they should have the right to be able to go out and do that. I know. I am just absolutely horrified by it. Like, I really am. No, I mean, I'm not saying Wine Crescent or Mayfield in the general sense of things is a quiet area, but everywhere has trouble. Yeah. And, like, where we're living, it is quiet. There's not a lot of trouble around there from one end of the week to the other and that incident was just absolutely horrific. Are there a lot of families living around there or a lot of old people? There's a mixture. Mm. It would be, well I would say it would probably be more predominant the elderly people. Yeah. And now there is, there is a couple of other younger children living around and I mean children from other classes come up and down to play there and Mm. I mean it's not safe for them. And you mentioned there there's a lot of elderly people there. It must be very concerning for them as well. It is. Now, in saying that, I don't think most of them leave their house now given to this pandemic. Right, okay. But, like, it is a huge concern for them because if you can find them in a corner next to a field, you can find them anywhere. And Tracy, like, as you said yourself, it, this is not the only place that is experiencing this kind of behaviour. Oh, like, absolutely what, not. What can be done to stop it, do you think? Is it an issue for the council to sort out? Is it just, like, do we need more education? Well, I think the addicts themselves need to be educated on what they're doing with their needles. Mm-hmm. What they're putting into their own bodies is entirely their own business. And I mean, I wouldn't argue with them about it. If they want to do it, that's fine by them. If they want to kill themselves slowly yeah but something needs to be done with them using all the equipment and just dumping it wherever they see fit yeah that's, that's I mean I know they're probably not in any frame of mind to say oh we shouldn't leave that there but that is not entirely the point like yeah Tracy, listen, thanks very much for taking our call on the opinion line on Corks 96 FM this morning. That's it for this Thursday afternoon. Very thanks to Fergal, Katie and Wayne for helping me out this morning. Enjoy your day, everyone. Back tomorrow. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.